right, welcome back to another quarantine episode of Scions of the Southland. Uh, this is number 35. Well, I guess it's Something not like the that. 35th quarantine. It's not the 35th quarantine episode, but but it's like number 35. Um, I'm Akshay, as, as always, and joining me from the lovely campus of Georgia Tech, though barren and not with people right now uh is uh mr jake grant how is uh how is campus today it's going all right um as you know but our listeners don't i am currently out walking around around campus because despite having been back for a couple weeks i really haven't gotten over to campus since i started working uh so we're gonna go among other things just see what what things are looking like so I don't know. So far, a little overgrown, but it's nice to be back. Mm-hmm. And so just for anyone who's listening, we're recording this on Saturday, May 30th. So a couple of construction projects are in progress on campus. So we just had the Zelnak Center finish up. There was video of that posted online. Um and then you and I, before we hit record, we were talking about there was some stuff going on at track, I think. Yeah, the uh, they were doing some work. Oh, at work. I'm inside O'Keefe right now, uh, cutting through to Zalmac. Um, so if you hear some cars in the background in a sec, that would be beautiful downtown connector. And I'm back outside. Um, but yeah, no, we're going to check out the track, see if there's any pre-site work or surveying going on at baseball hit up the student center and the library i think yeah and i think baseball phase two construction is supposed to start this coming week i think it starts monday oh shoot that's soon i don't know i i saw i saw a tweet i didn't read it that well i'm not a good uh journalist okay um yeah. Oh, shoot. The last time I was in this parking lot, I got sideswiped. That's fun. Um, but no, Zelnak doesn't look too different on the outside. Um, I don't know. I think it's uh, kind of nice that they're letting everything grow. They still wouldn't have the uh, a lot of the flowers up um, if they were trimming it more regularly. I don't know. It's quiet. Really quiet. It's It's eerily peaceful is how I've heard some people describe it. Yeah, I don't know. There was not a lot of uh, not a lot of trees in full bloom, and the grass wasn't really back. We had to leave campus, so it's like uh, I don't know. Like I guess I didn't really appreciate how like green and lush the campus was. I guess, or at least was taking it for granted. But I don't know. Looks good. I'm at Mewborn now. Not really anything uh-huh. going on. You should say something else so I don't keep rambling about trees but <laughs> all right let's let's actually talk about what's happened over the last uh, what has it been three three months something like that uh, two months yeah about that yeah yeah so i mean as we all kind of know there are no spring sports because coronavirus but i mean the georgia tech content machine has kind of still been rolling especially during the month of May. Uh, Looking at the list of stuff that's happened to Georgia Tech sports during the month of May, we had, let's see, nine new recruits 
So let's let's talk about them. So I think this is not organized by time of commitment. So we have quarterback Chaden Peary from California, um, tight end and wide receiver Leo Blackburn, which I, who I think is from Westlake here in Georgia. Uh, yep. Tight end Ben Postma, uh, offensive lineman, offensive tackle Jakaya Leftwich. Um, Wide receiver James Blackstrain, uh, defensive tackle Zeke Biggers, uh, defensive end Noah Collins, and defensive end Joshua Robinson. And last, but certainly not least, Irishman and punter David Shanahan. Notably, he was trained in the art of punting by our friends. Well, I mean, I guess college football's friends in Australia, Pro Kick. So, yeah. That's, I mean, that's a nine commits and what is effectively a recruiting dead period. That's, that's, that's pretty good. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm pleased. Yeah, not terrible. I, uh, I uh, know that a lot of our eyes will probably turn right to uh, the Westlake boys or, uh, or the quarterback from California. But low-key, I think we're going to appreciate Shanahan the most. Just my gut feeling because we kind of – not that we take uh, Presley for granted, but if you're getting rid of it, you want to have the best dang guy on the planet to help you get rid of it. And I think, I don't know, not that I'm saying he's going to be the best guy on the planet, but relatively unproven, pretty unpolished, which means he has a pretty high ceiling. So I like that. Mm-hmm. And I, I think something that we have to note, I guess there's two points that I want to note. One, Pro Kick is, like I said, Pro Kick is well known. Um, in the States for turning out good, like very good punters at the college level. Mm-hmm. Um, like I think, especially in the Big Ten, if I remember correctly, you've seen a number of Aussie punters roll through. The thing with Shanahan is he's Irish. He's not actually Australian. So, I mean, it, eh, I, does it matter? Eh, but he still went through the same training. I'm I'm sure he's still going to do your usual rugby style punt. So, um, I Gaelic think it'll football be, too. yeah, it'll be, it'll be interesting. Um, I, it's, it's weird to root for a punter success because if the team is doing well, you, you might not see him a whole lot. So yeah, it, it's weird. <laughs> I don't really Agreed. know what to say. No, that's that's a fair kind of a fair way to put it. Um, I'll note that I have arrived at the track and the building that used to be like bathrooms and the press box or whatever appears knocked down and all that's in its place is a freshly poured slab of concrete with, with a fence around it. So that's weird. Um, oh Georgia Tech. Never change. Random construction. Hey that building was the uh, one of the prime things in the way of them turning the infield of this track into a soccer and lacrosse uh, soccer and lacrosse field. So I'm not gonna. Okay. Well, I, I maybe I should complain that. less. I was I gonna will... say the uh, the odds of that happening still aren't great, but well, the building's gone. Uh, okay. But no. Well... As for as for Shanahan, I don't know, man. It's it seems like a pretty high upside play with not a lot of not a lot of downside so i don't know yeah um 
I think in the, in recent years, we Georgia Tech has really learned how to value punters. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, I think we've hit on a good run of, of punting talent recently, and it should be a should be another another one in that line. Rodwell was really good. Um, I mean, Presley Harvin punted a ball 81 times last season, which was like double his previous mark, um, and did and still averaged just about the same yardage per punt, which was very impressive. Um, yep. And Shanahan falls right in line. So, you know, yeah, I, I think. I think especially early on, I think we're up to 21st, 30th, something like top 30 in in the 2021 recruiting rankings. Obviously, still early, but yeah, I think we're we're doing well, especially early on. Yep, I would I would agree. I uh, yeah, I, I think you can't really take those numbers with anything more than a grain of salt. I think Alabama's at like. 45 last I checked or something like, like that. Tennessee's at uh, like two. I mean. No, wait. UNC is at like five. So really the numbers don't. The points are made up and the numbers don't matter. Yep. No, the uh, the other guy that I kind of had circled, I pay a little bit more t- attention to this now that I post all the articles to Facebook and whatnot on the on the blog site, but I think Peary is going to be an interesting compliment to our quarterback room, if that's a good way to put it. I think we've talked about this in in the writer's room, too. That, right now, let's say you head into 2021, you have, what, five quarterbacks in that room that each have a chance to start. And like a pretty legitimate chance to start. And I mean, I think, and we'll have a discussion later this year on who should actually be the starter and quarterback rotation, yada, 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 to start the season. But let's say all things equal and we head into 2021 with a similar, with, with like the same quarterback room, you're you're looking at, okay, is, is Peary going to get a shot? Um, and based on his high school performance, uh, I would say, I think he deserves at least a look. I mean, the dude may be from far away, so we can't say like, I don't know, when you see Jordan Yates, you're like, oh, he went to Milton. And most people know what a Milton is, but like, with Peary, he's playing at the highest level in California. He's doing pretty darn good too. Like. It's not just because it's not as familiar, I guess, doesn't mean it's not as good, which is, again, I don't think anybody was kind of prematurely tearing him down on those lines or anything, of course. But, like, it's very – it doesn't hit as close to home, I think. Mm -hmm. You don't see somebody, like, tearing up the schools you know or, you know, that kind of familiarity aspect. I think that's something we've – yeah, and I think that's something we touched on in the writer's room. It's like, well, we need to, like, how do we evaluate, how do we compare the talent level of various regions or, or of various uh, athletic associations across each state? Like, California has two. Texas has, like, two or three. Um, 
and, and they have like multiple classifications within. And I think we, as the writers, most of us are from are from Georgia. We know and we understand the like Georgia and its neighboring states. We understand the talent level. Um, yeah. At, at each in each association in each classification, and if if someone says, "Hey, this guy is a four star athlete from this school," we sort of understand who he's competing against and what that and if that rating is inflated or um, or underrated. Well, yeah, when we're we talking have, about uh, yeah, because we all have the I went there. I know somebody who went there. So and so from that school played at X Y college and. You know, it, it all kind of ties back to it. But with California, right. it's think kind of a, a it's a wash for us. Yeah. It, it, and I, I think th this is a parallel that I, I think we can draw is um, when Jacob Eason and I know this is a this is a stretch talking about an uh, an old Georgia commit, but um, w when Jacob Eason came from Washington. And, and went to Athens. There was, I, I remember specifically, there was some talk about why is he, like, is he going to be able to withstand the pressure of the SEC? He didn't play, like, he was tearing up Washington State football. But it's not, at, like, but if you looked at his stats, they were, like, pretty, in, in retrospect, they were pretty inflated. His touchdown numbers and yardage were pretty inflated. And then he comes to, comes to Athens he does pretty mediocre, I would say, in that first season. And then he gets benched the second season. And then he transfers back to Washington and has an up and down, you know, up and down couple of seasons there. So I think talent evaluation, when you're not sitting in that state, and especially at a time like right now when there's not really film or camps that you can look camp film that you can look at to um, really get a better idea of what type of player they are, especially against other high-level talent. It's it's difficult, but to sort of bring it back full circle, like you said, boots on the ground are saying Peary is playing at the highest level of California high school football, and in the two seasons that he's played, he has succeeded, and he's done yep. very well. I would I, like to add one point, one caveat before we get back to Peary. It's kind of about football recruiting in general. I do not want this to be construed as us saying we need more intersectional football games. That should not be the case at the high school level. It's too expensive. There's not enough days in the schedule. It's too it's, it's logistically. It only ESPN's interest to, to have yes. intersectional interstate football match, high school football games. And arguably, I don't think they should be having these these uh, high school ones. May, uh, maybe you can have like Indiana crossover to Illinois kind of thing, you know, stuff like that. Schools in Georgia playing schools in South Carolina. But I think this is where football recruiting really is a completely different beast than every other every other sport. Because when you look at football, none of these kids play each other. Outside of uh, outside of within their own high school, you know, At, and if you're a baseball star, you get on your travel team and you're playing against teams across the country. Softball is the same way. Basketball, AAU, same thing. Well, well Swimming, I'll, I'll add you this got your caveat to your caveat. Like that. I'll, I'll add this caveat to your caveat. You, you 
in the last like five to six years, you've had the development of seven on seven camps around the nation. So you have yeah. these regional satellite, like these regional camps where kids are like high level four star, five star talent are coming in. They're competing against other four and five star talent. Um, but uh, again, when you're talking about seven on seven, because you're playing, you're, you're dropping four players from a roster, you're effectively, you're not looking at, let's say, your softer, well, not soft skills, but you're not looking at the the more technical skills, right, that come with maybe being an offensive lineman, like be, uh, learning and executing on specific blocking schemes. Like, like um, you're looking more at raw athleticism. You're looking at potential when it comes to these camps because each recruit is trying to show off and trying to turn on the burners on every other recruit. Um, and it's not, it's not like offensive line play has ever been highly, highly valued and fashionable to analyze it to begin with. So, yeah, I mean, and I think we, we could talk for hours on, on the whole camp system and, and I think that leads to talent inflation, but I also know next to nothing about recruiting. So that's not yeah, something we should, we should, we should dive we should move into on. too much. I, I, yeah. I think we've, we've, uh, we've run out on our, uh, our glass of knowledge. You want to talk Is softball, that... swimming, baseball recruiting? I got you on that, but <laughs> other than that, not so much. All right. Let's t- just one last note since this is football related. Um, athletes, uh, per Georgia Tech guidance, athletes will be allowed back on campus in mid-June. I think the exact date was the 15th. Um, there's a number of restrictions uh, in terms of who can be in the weight room, how many people can be in the weight room, um, uh, coronavirus tests before they come back to campus. Um, and then the most notable restriction is that no incoming freshman will um be allowed to come back so um you won't get the freshman recruits for basketball you won't get the freshman recruits for um volleyball etc etc and and obviously football but all of the older kids um will be back on campus and working out uh in small groups starting in mid-june um and with luck that should lead to a uh, on time start for football season however that looks uh, i think it's still unclear and we we talked about it in a mailbag last week it's unclear how that's going to look at this time yep um yeah i don't have a lot to add to that but i have arrived where the police station used to be uh at hemp hill and first and that whole park thing that they're building is coming along interestingly. Nothing at baseball yet, but uh, they're building some sort of big sidewalk across the back. Lots of piles of dirt. Honestly, most of most of it looks like piles of dirt, but there's some pipes. That's that's different, I guess. I don't know. They were, if I remember correctly, there there is a water feature that's slated for part of that. Hmm. It's like a pond or something. Oh, is, I, I bet you it's like those like rock things they have in other places that like is wet when there's rain. But other than that, it's just kind of a pile of rocks. That that's, seems to be kind of tech vibe. That's weird. I don't, yeah. I, 
I have no strong opinions on that, other than that's a weird. That is probably a fair, a fair way to act. I'm gonna keep uh, keep moving on. It looks like they built like an artificial hill in the middle of it where the police station used to be. Because I don't know, I, there was there was never a big hill back there, was there? Uh, there was not. There was one towards the front where the condemned fraternity house used to be. Yeah, they haven't really done anything over there yet. That's still a hill. Yeah, there was no hill towards the back of the parking lot. But also, yeah. I haven't been to that part of campus in a long time. So, Well, chalk it up as news. We got a new hill, I guess. <laughs> Let me add that to the, to the notes when we're done recording here. Georgia Tech acquires hill. Um, all right, I'm heading up towards... Uh, towards what I think is the more interesting part of of progress on campus with the uh, with the new student center buildings. Um, but other than that, what have we got on the docket? We talked recruiting. We're in the middle of talking buildings. It's interesting that you bring up bring up the new student center buildings because the next item on our agenda uh, that we wanted to get to was uh, the final couple rounds of the Burdell's building bracket. Yeah. Um, I uh, didn't really want to put it under a new story stream, so I just kept it under the building bracket. But it's people this year, if I you haven't you been know, tuning in. You know, when I, whenever I put these together, I should really do some better fact-checking. <laughs> uh, I just know uh, you do it because you love reading about the buildings. Um, but no, our, uh, our final four this year is interesting. Just like I drew it up, we have an 11 seed in it. Um, gosh, I think we put this together in what? An hour of sitting around before the last dance started a couple weeks yeah. ago? Yeah, and I think we, we had some debates over the the athletes. I think there, there was yep. the last it was the last quarter of it where we were talking about, hey, should we throw Kuchar on there or should we throw Garcia Parra on there? I, I Castleberry too. Castleberry. I think there there were some interesting debates, and I think the the decision we came to with just putting those as play in games and and letting the democratic process work its course, I think ended up being for the best. Yeah, and I mean, not that I am gonna say that I put Megatron on there as clickbait, but definitely he, got he some did. good. Definitely got some good traffic. Uh, he made it to the Elite Eight, but lost to Bobby Jones. Um, okay, well, that one's fair. Yeah, that, that should have I'm not super upset about that. That that one seems like it's not a rigging. If if, if oh, no. Megatron had won, I would have accused you of rigging the bracket. Yeah, I, uh, I would have felt dirty about that. I already felt bad that he lost to John Young, who, in timely news for today, considering we... You know, launched a man into space today for the first time. Two in, men, two men. Sorry, first time in nine years from America. So that was pretty timely. But young, uh, young did lose to Calvin. On the other sides, oh, wow. we had more or less as expected. I mean, the things that get you fired up about the, you know, the round of thirty-two, don't quite get as fired up when, in the end, the people who kind of should be still alive still are you know like mm -hmm. i don't know i was pretty baffled that 
Shelton lost as early as his as he did, and a couple of the uh, you know baseball, basketball, non-rev types. But I don't know. We got Bobby Dodd out of it, and all right. So, so him, one... I was gonna say him or Heisman, perfectly good, perfectly good options. I'm not gonna besmirch the man. The football stadium is named after for being in the Final Four, but. All right, so so our finalists just to, just a review. So we have Dodd, we have Heisman. Who am I missing? Dodd and Heisman were the elite eight in the coaches' side. Mm, okay, well I need to do a better job of reading comprehension. Um, <laughs> yeah, um, but then we had Jones, and it's Dodd okay. versus Jones in in that half, and then we had on the other side Marion Britton. Coming out of the president's bracket, and then George Griffin. It's George yeah. Griffin, yeah. Which, I mean, he probably, yeah, I mean, he probably deserved that one. Yeah, I'm not gonna. Britain, I think, is the weird one, um, but just because I would not have voted for Britain personally this far because the only thing i know him for besides you know your writing stuff is is the um the the road the drive and then also the dining hall so i'm at a loss i i i think when i voted in this i put griffin and i forgot what i did for for the other one but it's just for just for context it's number two seed Dodd versus number 11 seed Jones mm-hmm. on the, I think that's the left side of the yeah. bracket. And then on the right side of the bracket, it's one Griffin versus one Britain. So yep. it's kind of like the 2006 George Mason went to the final four year, but with Georgia tech personalities. Yes. And here's, here's where I will. Okay. Uh, before I, dive into this because it can take me a minute. I'm in the new student center like space. Those new buildings they're throwing up. The uh the like exped or not expedition hall. Uh exposition hall, ballroom. That's what it was. Meeting room kind of thing is still pretty blocked off. Uh, and that's over by stamps and the IC. And then there's like a two wing building next to it uh in front on the north side of the parking deck. And both of those look to be pretty done. One of them looks nice, and the other could use a porch like its sibling. But that's 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 small. That's Jake just being dumb. Um, but yeah, that's all fenced off still. But what's not fenced off is the cafe thingy that they're building, kind of where those two big wide paths come together. The one that splits off to the MRDC, and the other oh, that goes that's to the ID. Yes, it's definitely like, a it, restaurant of some sort. I can tell so you that. That's where the uh, that's where the tug pit usually is. Yes, right on. Yeah, we're we're a swim club, like tailgates and that like community garden and the tug pit. And, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So, so the two wing building is where all the RVs used to be, and the exposition hall is where the where, where that big flat parking lot uh, kind of a stoplight where is. The, where the be. classic car. Yes, uh, Expo was or yes, usually exactly. Yeah. I will. It's funny you mentioned Tug because kind of doubling back to closer to the IC where they used to dig it out with the with the backhoe and stuff. It's like a little depressed pit 
Um, it's definitely where all the drainage is going to flow because there's water in it now and like a couple. Oh my God. Did they just couple, like, dig pipes. up the tug pit to use this drainage? <laughs> I, I think the old tug pit is, uh, is a drainage ditch. Whether or not they'll still have tug there, I don't know. Maybe they that probably would be, won't. I was going to say that would be a little bit sketch because it looks like it's going to be full of standing water after a big rain, which is not ideal to have your students standing around in. But I don't know where the heck else they're going to put it. So, uh, well, you got me uh, many moons ago, it allegedly was at Tech Square, or, or not Tech Square, um, Tech Green. Many moons oh, ago. And then there's no way that that's going to happen. <laughs> that would not fly anymore. No. Um, Especially considering that whole drainage system got redone in 2016. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that probably doesn't fly anymore. So, yeah. I mean, Greek Week, I guess, gets a pass this year and doesn't have to figure it out. But next year, that's going to – that'll be that'll be interesting. Um, yeah, I, I agree. Um, but, yeah, no, the one building I can get up close to is absolutely going to be a cafe of some sort. I thought it was going to be the Chick-fil-A, but that's definitely a cappuccino machine in there. So, so coffee Chick-fil-A does coffee. I mean, but do they have a cappuccino machine? No. Maybe yeah, it's I Blue mean, Donkey. A, hmm. Blue Donkey doesn't do cappuccinos, though. All right, now we're just Maybe, now we're I don't know. The technicalities of food places. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's another entire podcast episode that I look forward to doing when we're bored again another weekend. Yes. Um, All right. What was I going to say? I really like this path, though. It's pretty. Uh, it's very wide. It's a little bit curvy. I don't know. Could use a little more trees, but they planted them. They're just very small. Yeah, I think once we get closer to the fall, um, and even next fall, probably when everything is actually done, because I think the slated completion date is before fall twenty one, right? Yep. Um, so. Once we once we get towards those slated completion dates, I think everything will look a lot a lot more full. Yes, I, I agree with that. Oh shoot. I'm uh headed over towards the the old student center. It's it feels weird calling it that, but the old student center and uh that plaza in front of the first center where uh George Griffin oh frick, where is George Griffin? Uh oh. Uh oh. <laughs> We were just um, praising him for being on the bracket, and now he's his statue has disappeared. Yeah, so the the like plaza in front of the first center, you know how it has the like uh, like the cement with the ice cream cone used to be in the middle of, and then you kind of walk down a little bit. Yeah, Griffin was on the left, and the stairs were on the right. Yeah, that is all a uh, big sunken dirt pit right now. There's no sign I on the first he'll be center. Back. I assume they're probably going to move him somewhere along the path you were just walking on. Dude, I will write such an angry column if that man doesn't come back. Um, but I don't think that they're going to save the... Uh, that would be very upsetting if they just removed the statue and didn't put it back. Yeah. All right. I'm going to go around this, and then we can keep trying to go up towards the library. But, uh, but yeah, I will write an angry column if he doesn't come back. Man is a hero. Um, yeah. Other, other Jake propaganda. Yeah, um, so Jake is using this time to, to ca- implicitly say that he's going to rig his bracket to, uh, to have George Griffin win. So take that into consideration. I mean, 
what can I say? It's the, the Chicago way. Rigging elections. All right. Before we we should uh, we should backpedal before we get into spicier territory on that one. I have jokes for days. Um, well, we were um, in the middle of something until I interrupted it with the construction thing. It was. Um, it were, you were talking about the 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 who you were going to vote oh, for Britain. for the final four. Yeah, I was going to shill for Britain. Um, I'll let you think of a segue uh, while right. I shill. You vamp. So, so basically, longest serving tech president, yes, wrote the best first, whatever you want to call it, history of Georgia Tech, called the story of Georgia Tech. But he didn't just like talk about the history. He made that. Shit. So like he made all that stuff happen because in the middle of his tenure, not only did we get deaccredited because of the state government being a bunch of uh, manipulators, I'll put it nicely. He uh, saved us from financial ruin during the Great Depression and the uh, and subsequent like the commerce getting moved, saved us from the Board of Regents trying to make us not exist. And uh, I don't know, we won a football title like that's that'll round it out. Oh, we got Guggenheim, too, which at the time was a very prestigious grant that gave us what is now the AE school. So he did he did some good work. And it's important to mention that said Guggenheim uh, building has not been renovated since Marlon Britton's time at Georgia Tech. Nice. That was <laughs> probably accurate, too. Oh, it's no, it's absolutely accurate. That building has not been renovated since the 50s. It, it looks like it, too, on the inside. Yeah, I don't disagree with you on that one, bud. Yeah. Um, okay. I honestly don't have anyone to show for. In, in the bracket, but I do have other stuff to show for. Go ahead. Um, including returning sports, uh, both in the U.S. and internationally um, after a coronavirus-induced lockdown. So in the U.S. at least, we're looking at the National Women's Soccer League being back in late June. Um the NHL released a plan to be back by July, or at least start training camps again by July. Um, both the NBA and MLS uh, announced plans to restart their seasons in Orlando at Disney's Wide World of Sports, which is surprisingly massive enough to hold both of those competitions and not have intermingling, which is wild to me. Um, and what what am I missing? Um, oh, and given all of the announcements from the NCAA um, and uh, the various conferences, uh, college football is just about on schedule. Um, obviously, all of these come with the caveat that most, if not all, of these sports will not have fans. Um, probably. Um, I think college football is the only one that's even questionable. Um, so there's that. That's on the U.S. side. Internationally, uh, German soccer, the Bundesliga, has been back for three weeks now, which has been great viewing, and we'll get into that in a bit. Um, the English Premier League, which is the English Soccer League, will be back in two weeks on the 17th. Um, I think the La Liga, which is Spain's league, will be back. 
this month and also Italy's. So I think that rounds out. I think France hasn't ruled on theirs, but the uh, the other four should all be back by the end of June. So things are starting to open back up. Um, I I know that opinions on whether that should should not happen you know there's a ton of stuff out there i'll leave it to the audience to go read those takes but we're starting to get back in the groove it's starting to feel normal ish in terms of sports viewership and sports availability on media again or at least it will be by the middle part of the month Mm -hmm. i mean it'll it'll take a couple weeks to Kind of spool up here, but I don't know. I'll take it. <laughs> oh yeah, I'll take it. And, and the one really interesting thing, and and the debate that I've seen across um, across sports Twitter and really sports business Twitter has been so the the Bundesliga on some of the broadcasts they've been piping in crowd noise like the Falcons used to. Um, it's not in stadium, so the players can't hear it. Um, the players and staff can't hear it neither in the, neither can the commentators. It's basically an audio engineer is sitting in, um, broadcasting headquarters in Germany and pressing buttons on the world feed for a match and saying, Hey, I want the, I want the virtual crowd to cheer here for the home team. I want them to jeer and whistle here. Um, uh, they should be celebrating for a goal when that happens, et cetera, et cetera. I think this is something that we could see and because I've, I've seen the NFL talk about it and I've seen some college football properties talk about it. This is something that we could see this season, this fall. And so what are your thoughts on this potent, piped in crowd noise coming across the feeds or a TV feed uh, this fall when watching football or any other sport? I don't I don't want to say I love it uh, because I don't. I will say that the emotion of the crowd does play into people's enjoyment of sports, I think, it being part of a group. Uh, and it's a little bit lonely to watch silent soccer. Not that I'm a soccer fan in the first place too much, but it, it was weird trying to do that. Um, I don't know. I, I think one of the things I get most out of college football is the the kind of je ne sais quoi of it, the, the marching bands, the cheerleaders, the wreck, the, you know, the, the people and the atmosphere and the whistle and all that stuff. But um, I don't know. I, I don't think that there's any way to have that in a safe way this year. So, I mean, if this is what they're giving us, I'll take it. But I'm not exactly asking for it, you know? Mm-hmm. I will say, so I've, I've watched... I'd say I've watched most of the Bundesliga matches that have happened so far. And the having the crowd noise piped in has felt, has made the experience feel normal. Um, And I think that's the whole point, right? It's not necessarily to, I mean, at, at a certain level, it's like, Okay, we're trying to legitimize the broadcast because otherwise, if you don't have fans, these basically look like scrimmages. That's one side. Um, on the other side, you need to actually have viewers so sponsors don't get upset, yada, yada, yada. But 
But from a viewing perspective, from a viewer perspective, from a fan perspective, it makes it seem normal. The problem is that when you juxtapose what sounds like a very intense and very loud and very intimate fan atmosphere with shots of an empty stadium, <laughs> it breaks that immersion very badly. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah, I uh, and- I haven't really I haven't really tuned into soccer since they started doing that though. So I guess I wouldn't be the the right authority on that. Yeah, and I, I think it's an interesting experiment. And and I'm and props to I guess it's Sky Sports that owns the the world feed for, for the Bundesliga. But I, I mean props to them for trying it out and, and testing it for for the world because this is it seems like a viable solution for for a from a viewing perspective to at least bring that normalcy back to the viewing experience um i don't know how people are going to feel about it when um when college football time comes around i think certain fan bases are very defensive about their attendance and the amount of noise that they can generate um, I'm not going to point any fingers, but uh, it'll be it'll be interesting to see the reaction to that, and if we and if broadcasters in the states can do as good of a job of matching those home atmospheres that um, that the Bundesliga has done in Germany, or that Sky Sports has done in Germany. Yeah, I, I think. It's a little bit different for football from hockey and like soccer kind of thing. Cause I feel like football crowds are a little bit more like, not that it's more random sport, but there's just more different ways to react to or different things to react to, I guess. Cause you got your, your field goal, your big hit, your sack, your big play that isn't a touchdown. Yeah. You know, like, like not that soccer is just goal foul and and like big play generic big play kind of thing or like good save or whatever, but I I think it's just a little bit more nuanced than than soccer or hockey kind of audio engineering would be you know yeah and I don't I mean it would be interesting to see if audio engineers at say Fox sports and ESPN have gone through the tape from last season that they have and picked out crowd reactions for all, let's say 130 FBS teams for each of these individual play types. Like that's, I mean, it's a complicated feat of engineering from a, from a television perspective to pick out that, like the specific audio track from a specific game at this right intensity for the emotion that fans are supposed to be feeling in the stadium for a given play. Like it's a, it's a very complicated psychological thing and also a technological thing. Yeah, that, that makes sense. Also, uh, I kind of hear some sirens and helicopters in the distance. So I'm going to head back to, uh, my apartment. Um, a little bit on edge after that, I will add, as I'm headed back, there are two massive tents set up next to the Kulk. I think for the Portman's like uh, sculpture construction, but 
got me hanging on that one. And then the library looks about done. Um, but that kind of wraps that one up. I, I, I don't know. I think we have enough bright people in America that if, if they're going to try it, it might not be good the first week, but they're going to freaking figure it out. You know, like mm-hmm. if it's bad, they'll make adjustments necessary to make it better. I think it's something we just kind of got to play by ear and and out as we as we roll along. Yeah. Um, sorry, I'm a little bit distracted and walking, but I don't know. I think it'll it'll all play out. The uh, the various uh, the various leagues coming back will kind of give the later movers an opportunity to see how it works for the, for the initial ones, you know, like Mm -hmm. NCAA has all the time in the world, essentially to adjust, especially if the NHL and NBA and NWSL are all out there trying to, you know, work out the kinks for them. And I think it'll be especially interesting for the smaller leagues, like MLS and NWSL, they rely so much on, this is, I guess, from an economic perspective, they rely so much on gate receipts and that atmosphere as an advertising stick and also as, like, I mean, like an economic engine. So not having home crowds, how does that affect competitiveness on the field? How does that affect them economically? I think we're already starting starting to see some of the outlay of that. Um, and then also, how does that affect the viewing experience, especially when it comes to these NBA and MLS plans where they're not playing in their home markets? They're playing in a gym or a, or a soccer field in Orlando. Like how there's no home field environment. There's no home field feel for the players whatsoever in those types of situations. Yeah. I don't know. I, I think the league that probably has the toughest is the NWSL, just because they're small, playing a sport that, you know, is more fringe. I don't think that, that the, not that the NFL doesn't face the same challenges, because they'll get lambasted if it goes poorly. But yeah. it'd be really I funny. That, but I can laugh at the NFL without consequence. I feel bad if I were to take. I mean, I don't want to laugh at NWSL. I think both of we want it to succeed. Yeah, I, I would. I would like if they succeeded, but I don't know. I wouldn't exactly call myself there. I don't know. I'm not like a rah rah fan either. But it's always good when when sports leagues succeed. I guess. Wow, that was the most boring way I could have taken that, but. <laughs> That's where we're at. It's hot. I'm walking. It's, I'm tired. It's an eighty. It's an eighty-five degree day in Atlanta. The humidity's turned up. It's basically summertime. I mean, I, I think that's a that's as good a spot as any to to call it for today. Any any other stuff you you want to mention before we sign off here? Nope. That about that about takes care of it. From stuff I got. Um, you know, if it means that we talk sooner again with another podcast and text coming back, then I think that'll have been a uh, a success. 
Yeah, and I think especially if we're able to get some summer practice in and at least get some football news to talk about, I think any any little inkling to any little nibble to gnaw on and, and overanalyze will be will be good for the both of us. Yep. Well, oh, I'm getting back towards KA and it's very loud. So I think we should uh, I think we should call it there. Yeah. All right. Everyone have a good rest of your week. Have a good rest of your, uh, I don't know when we're going to be back. It might be a couple weeks. It might be another month, but uh, you know, stay safe and uh, we'll, we'll catch up with y'all soon. See you on the flip side.